Hello, this is Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We're so glad you joined us today. We're in a series called Future Trends, where we're talking about Bible prophecy. We've been in this, um, I think, about five or six episodes, so if you've missed those, you can certainly go back and catch up with us. I'm going to give you today what we're going to call a an end times timeline, an end times timeline. And if you take your Bible, you can basically put this together. It might take you a while, but uh, this will help you kind of have all of this hang together for you. And we're just going to make a list. We'll spend some time on some of these. Some of them we've already actually had episodes on. Number one is something called the apostasy. That is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. The apostasy is when the professing church that should be believing in Christ and believing in and teaching and preaching the Word of God apostatizes. It falls away from the truth of Christ and the truth of the Bible. See any of that going on today in mainline Christian churches? Yes, we do. Number two, there's something coming. It is a future event. Nothing has to happen before it happens. So it could, in theory, even happen today. We don't know. It could be at any time. It's called the rapture of the church. This simply means that Christ is coming back to take his bride, the church, home to heaven. You can read more about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 55, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18, and Revelation 4, verse 1, where we see the church taken from this earth into heaven. And that's actually number three. The bride of Christ is removed from this earth, taken with Christ, the bridegroom of the church, to heaven. Now, the reason we say that is because in Revelation uh, in Revelation for up through verse, th- uh, excuse me, up through chapter three in Revelation, We see the church referred to repeatedly. You'll see that over and over, uh, especially in chapters 2 and 3. But in chapter 4, we see that the church is called out of the world. And you can read that in Revelation 4. And from Revelation 4 to Revelation 19, I believe in verse 4, we don't see the church uh, on earth in Revelation. We see a lot of things going on on the earth and a lot of things going on in heaven, but we see the church in heaven not on the earth from Revelation 4 up to uh, Revelation 19. So Christ takes his bride home with him to heaven while what we call the tribulation unfolds on the earth where the wrath of God is poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. Number four, the revival of the Roman Empire. You can see this in Revelation 13 verse 1 where a beast arises 
to lead a godless global government. Now, when you think of the Roman Empire, has there ever been an empire that persecuted Christianity worldwide more ruthlessly than the Roman Empire? I don't think so. But the Roman Empire never actually died, so to speak, because there are vestiges of it in the Western civilization and our government even today. I want you to think of the Roman Empire as being like we see our computers. It's in sleep mode. Or if you're aware of scary movies like vampire movies, it's like a vampire that's asleep. Don't wake the vampire, right? Well, one day, we don't know when this will be, but it, I believe it will be um, after the rapture of the church, I believe. But one day, the Roman Empire will, will have a resurgence, a revival. And so there will be a global, godless global government over the entire world, and it, it emerges from the borders of the old Roman Empire. And uh, once again, it will persecute the people of God, that is, those who come to faith in Christ on the earth, even after the church is removed. All right, number five, there will be a rise of a world leader. Now, we had an episode or two on this, but you can read more in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 to 12. And also, um, you can look in 1 John 2, verse 18 where we see the Antichrist referred to. He is the um, Satan's best effort at like a polar opposite of Christ or a false Christ, a substitute Christ for a Christ-rejecting world. Number six, there would be a covenant made with Israel by this world leader. And I believe the the way I understand the Bible, the start of the tribulation period is when that covenant is made with Israel. There will uh, probably related, and, and you can look at that at Daniel 9, verse 27, back in the Old Testament. Number seven is, I believe, in conjunction with that covenant with Israel, a peace treaty where he guarantees the safety of Israel and apparently brings some measure of peace such as it is to the Middle East. But part of that is the temple will be rebuilt. This will not be easy, but it will be rebuilt. And you can see that in Revelation 11 and Revelation 12. A temple is referred to there's a temple in heaven, obviously God's place in heaven, but there's a literal temple built again in Jerusalem on the earth. And there may be allusions to that there in Revelation 11, 12, I believe it is. But you can see it clearly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where this false leader goes into the temple and he declares himself to be God. Not God, not God is God, but this false uh, political leader, this beast, this antichrist says he is God, and the world should worship him. Well, at that point, there begins to unfold on the earth what is called the Great Tribulation. 
That's number eight. Christ referred to this in Matthew 24, 21. We see it in Daniel uh, 12, 1, where, where Israel has to be rescued. It'll be a terrible time. And um, it's, it is a terrible, terrible time on the earth that begins to unfold. In Revelation 13, we saw some of this in other episodes. People will be required to have the mark of the beast on their right hand or their forehead. I believe that's literal. And you can go back and listen to those episodes. What will it be? Well, I don't know that. But whatever it is, when it happens, it will literally fulfill what God warns about. So this one will control the world, the economic system, and force people to worship him. And in fact, the world is pretty excited about him, and they, they are amazed by him, and I believe they willingly follow him for the most part. Number nine there will be 144,000 what I'm going to call Jewish evangelists. Uh, one writer called them 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams <laughs> preaching Jesus Christ to the world. And you see that in Revelation 7, 4 through 8 and Revelation 14, 1. M- many people will come to Christ during the tribulation period. Even though the church is not here, that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is not working through witnesses like this and people are trusting Christ. Now, it would be at a great cost. In, in many, many cases, most cases, probably the, at the cost of their lives. There would be great suffering, but many will turn to God, turn to Christ, even during the tribulation and the great tribulation period. Number 10, judgments are unleashed upon the world. And you can read about these um, through across Revelation, the book of the Revelation. That's where you see the seal judgments, seven of those, seven trumpet judgments, and seven vile judgments or bowl judgments. And you probably things you've heard about and wondered, where is that? What's that about? You can read about it in the book of the Revelation. Number 11, harlot religion will be destroyed. And we see that in Revelation 17 and 18. Babylon, there is a, a uh, like a political, commercial Babylon, the world system, and there is religious Babylon. So this amalgamation, this mixture of this false religion that's just intertwined with everything and all government that deifies man and tries to oppose God and water down the truth and hide the truth and oppress those who walk with Christ, this anti-God religion and anti-God government will be thoroughly destroyed Number 12, in the great tribulation period, there will be an image of the beast set up in the temple. See that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 4 and Revelation 13, verses 13 to 15. And this is the start of the great tribulation right there. That's when he goes in and says, I'm God, worship me. 
and the beast is set up, uh, image is set up rather in the temple, and um, worldwide enforcement is made of beast worship. Number 13, there will be two witnesses to God, especially very prominent witnesses. And we see that, uh, we're actually going to read this uh, passage here. <clears throat> we see that in Revelation, uh, let's see, where are we here? Revelation 11, in verses 3 to 13, and I'm going to read those for us here. Revelation 11, 3 to 13, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. So that's, that's 42 months, three and a half years, the last half of the seven-year tribulation. These are the two olive trees, and he's referring back to Zechariah 4.14, I, I think, there. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, as is speaking about Jerusalem now, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. In verse 9, And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and in half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and and half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted, and gave glory to the God of heaven. So these two witnesses witness fearlessly for God. They are killed they are miraculously resurrected and the world uh, sees them ascend to heaven and I think the world knows they are in real trouble now because it probably starts to dawn on them even more. This is, you know, they're fighting against God. All right, number 14. 
the battle of Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon. We read about this in Revelation 16, 12 to 16. This is where um, the armies of the world, you know, Europe, Asia, Africa, all the armies of the world are brought together, I believe, to ostensibly fight with each other initially in the Middle East. But ultimately, Satan's grand design is that these armies of the world literally fight against the literal physical return of Jesus Christ to the earth to take over the earth and rule it with a rod of iron. So this is the best Satan can do. And so let's, let's, where does this come from? Well, right here in Revelation uh, Revelation 16, and let's read it starting in verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. That's Christ speaking there to you right now, to the world that reads this. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. This is a, a vast flat area, a plain, not far from Jerusalem, perfect. I, I believe it was Napoleon that said it was the perfect battlefield in other great Army commanders have thought the same thing when they have seen this, and they could imagine how this would be obviously a great place for an immensely great battle. And so when Christ comes back, he'll end it all, boom, just like that. There's not really going to be any fight to it because he's God and the beast and his armies are not. So that's the Battle of Armageddon. Verse uh, number 15, rather, the return of Christ, what we often refer to as the second coming of Christ. Now, Christ predicted this about himself repeatedly in the Gospels. There's no doubt of any kind that Christ said that he would return to rule this earth. Anyone who argues that he never said that has either never read what he said or they're lying because it's blatantly in the Gospels. Furthermore, in the book of Acts, you will remember that when Christ, uh, after he was crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected on the third day, that he ascended back to heaven. And in the first chapter of Acts, as he is literally ascending back into heaven, they said, 
ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which ye have seen go into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The same way Jesus ascended up, and, and I don't mean anything wrong here at all, but if we can believe in uh, you know movies like TV shows like Star Trek and tractor beams and um, transporters and all of that, I mean, that's just something the human mind thought of for entertainment and so forth. If we can believe that, God is certainly able to ascend as Jesus did and to descend or come again in the same way. That's not a problem for God, okay? So um, Christ is literally, physically going to return to the earth just as he literally, uh, physically ascended from heaven. He is going to come back. Now, where, where is that, by the way? Can we take a look at that? All right, yeah, let's, let's take a look at that. Revelation 19, 11 through 16, and verse 19. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now, you need to understand this. Conquering kings often rode into the cities that they had conquered on a white horse. <laughs> I love that. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, for all of you liberals out there who go to liberal, Christ-rejecting, Bible-rejecting churches where you just have shudders of abject horror when war is spoken of, Right here, it says that Christ is coming back and he's going to judge and make war. You know that old song a long time ago, war, what is it good for? Well, sometimes it's for some good things, like ending Nazism and the slaughter of, of millions of Jewish people and others in World War II and you know, giving America its independence and so forth. So the idea that war never, ever has a place, well, that's just idiotic, all right? I'm sorry if that offends you. You need to get into realityville. When Christ comes back, as I said, the armies of the world are gathered by the beast, the Antichrist, this, this godless global government leader. But, but ultimately, behind the scenes spiritually, it's really Satan working through him and that those armies are going to try to stop the actual, literal, physical return of Christ to the earth to take over. And by the way, Jesus Christ is not coming back to take sides. He is coming back to take over. And so we see that he does judge and make war. Verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 
And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now this is the church that's coming back with him. I'm going to be on one of those horses. (laughs) If you trust in Christ, you will be too. If you become a Christian, you will return with Christ as well in his massive heavenly army. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is my beloved Jesus Christ who died for my sins, paid the penalty for my sins, became my Savior and Lord that I might live, be forgiven and live forever with him in heaven. I get to come back in this army and this is so exciting to my heart when I see the complete wreckage of human government in our world today, I will will give you an example. It's like a restaurant near where I'm recording this. Several months ago, I say a restaurant, it was a convenience store existed there, a gas station on a corner. And one day, uh, trucks and bulldozers came in, and they they raised R A Z E D raised that convenience store. That if you didn't know there was one there, you would never know there had ever been one there. It's all gone. Even the parking lot was gone. Now a restaurant is going to be built in its place, but I I think of this here when Christ comes. It's as if. He's on a massive bulldozer, and this smoking, ruinous collection of human governments is going to just be scraped from the earth, and his righteous kingdom will be established. Wow, I love that thought. I'm Thankful to be an American. I love my country. I do what I can do to be a good citizen. But ultimately, America pales in comparison with the righteous global government that Jesus Christ is returning to bring. I want you to be a part of that, and you get to be a part of that by trusting Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. If you're clinging to this world, You're clinging to something that is doomed. If your whole being is wrapped up in being a part of this current world system, this world spirit that hates God, you are wrapped up in something that will ultimately be destroyed. Jesus Christ will return to this earth to take over and run it the way it should be run. 
There will be, uh, this is the 16th point here, there will be a judgment of the nations. But first, the beast, the false prophet, which gets the world to follow the beast, and all of those that bear the mark of the beast are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Wow. Revelation 19 and 20 talk about this. There will be a great time of judgment. There will be a thousand-year reign of Christ. That's number 17. And you see that in Revelation 20. And by the way, um, for those that say that there's no thousand-year reign of Christ, no millennial reign of Christ, I want you to go to Revelation 20, and I want you to count how many times it says, a thousand year reign, you know, a, a millennial kingdom. How many times is it there a thousand years? I'm going to, I want you to read it, but I'm going to help you. It's there in a very short chapter. Six times it says there will be a 1,000 year reign of Christ on the earth from Jerusalem, from the throne of David. Everything that God promised and prophesied and predicted would happen. Everything he told David, everything that's in the Bible will be fulfilled literally. And as I've said in other podcasts, the Bible has a, a very funny way of fulfilling prophecies literally. Don't try to help prophecy out by explaining it some other way. God that I know of, he literally fulfills what he says is going to happen in prophecy. So there will literally be a thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth. Are you in or are you out? And you're one or the other right now. If you know you're out, you need to get in, and you get in only through coming to faith in Christ trusting what he did on the cross to pay the full penalty of your sin. It's, it's an exchange of your life for his life. Are you in or are you out? You need to get in if you're out. Number 18, Satan will be bound. I'm going to say it again. Satan will be bound. This devil, this tempter, this Lucifer, this rebeller against God will be bound for a thousand years during the millennial kingdom. He will not be the source of anything being wrong. He will not create problems throughout that millennial kingdom. You can read about that in Revelation 20. Number 19, as, as I mentioned, there will literally be the millennial kingdom but number 20, Satan, at the end of that, Satan is loosed. And I want to uh, go to Revelation 20. And I'm going to read, um, let's just read all of that. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be good. Revelation 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. 
and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the city, the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So many times I hear people talk about they try to live a good life, do more good than bad, but they never get around to bowing their knee, bowing their heart to King Jesus. And they die. When they're judged at the great white throne judgment, God will open the books of everything that people have ever done. And he will open another book, the book of life. And it will be shown that their names are not in the book of life because they chose to be judged on how they lived rather than trusting Christ. Every single one of them will fail to measure up because they rejected Christ 
and they will spend a Christless eternity in their sins, in that judgment, in the lake of fire. I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to ever experience that. I want you to turn to Christ. It's not about doing more good things than bad or living a better life. It's about becoming a child of God through personal, life-changing faith in Jesus Christ. And if you call out to him right now, confessing that you're a doomed sinner who deserves, just like I did, deserves the lake of fire, and you want to be forgiven through what Jesus did on the cross, you believe he rose from the dead the third day, He's coming again, and you trust him as your Savior. He will come into your life and save you. Trust him right now. As we go a little further, we're on number 21, the great white throne judgment, which we've just seen. And in number 22, there will be, as in Revelation 21 and 22, there will be a new heavens and a new earth, which Christ will rule eternally, the eternal state. All things will be made new. But the one thing that won't change is all of those who've rejected Christ and put themselves into a Christless hell will be there for eternity. Don't be one of those. Trust Christ today. As I was thinking about this, I realized that I did not list at the very beginning one of the things that's going to happen either right before uh, the rapture of the church or right after the rapture of the church, early in the tribulation period. But there will be a, an invasion of, the, of Israel by Gog and Magog, uh, essentially Russia and their, their counterparts. And God will destroy five-sixths of the Russian army on the mountains of Israel in a miraculous defense of Israel. This will get a lot of attention, I can assure you. And I should have mentioned that at the very beginning, and I did not. But uh, those are some things that are going to be happening in the future, future trends, my main goal in this is not to say, wow, he sure knows a lot. I'm not trying to impress anybody because I can't. I certainly am not impressive. I am trying to point people who need Christ to Jesus Christ. I'm also doing my best with what I've got to try to strengthen and encourage Christians because many of you around the world are in great suffering and persecution and that's beginning to unfold in America as well. It's good. It's just what Jesus said would happen. Lift up your heads and be looking for the rapture of the church and all of this to unfold because Christ knows what you're going through. He's not forgotten about you, and he loves you so much. Well, again, thank you for listening to This Week in the Word and being in our series, Future Trends, Bible Prophecy. I hope this has been a blessing to you. If you have a Bible question, you can email me at pastor 
edhill at gmail.com. Pastor Ed Hill at gmail.com. Tell your friends and neighbors and relatives about this podcast. It will always be free this week in the Word. Tell them they can find it. I think they can still find it on iTunes and Google Play. But the easiest way to get the free app that I mentioned is free. The free app is www.dredhill.podbean.com. So that's www.dr, no period after the doctor part, dredhill.podbean.com. Tell them about it so that um, they can be aware of the podcast themselves. They can listen in. They can be encouraged in their faith, and they can tell others about it as well. Thanks again for listening today. It's been my joy and my pleasure to share this with you. Somebody may do it better. There are probably many who can do it better, but I did it because I care about you and your future eternally, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye-bye.